I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. I am Dr. Aaron Eugene McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Hi, this is Kimberly Ann Johnson. Je m'appelle Rick Safris, et c'est le podcast du Gidecolo Holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my internet family. I appreciate you following along in this journey. I feel like every single episode that I bring to this podcast is special in its own way. I like to bring people on who are not just like going to get me followers or whatever. I really want to have the heartfelt conversations that I think need to happen around how we care for ourselves, for one another, our families, our communities, etc. So this episode is no exception. We're going to be talking about vasectomies and healing after pregnancy loss. And it's with my wife, Stephanie Riley. Hold for applause. Hold for applause. (laughs) Insert the the screaming fans. What can people expect from this conversation? I think there was a lot for us to even navigate prior to having the conversation where I had asked you to try to take away the seat for yourself of being an interviewer and just speaking to me as my husband. And so I think it's really great that you get to show up a little bit more as yourself in this conversation for your listeners. And I am so grateful that we were able to have a conversation like this that was so candid and necessary, even though we've had snippets of conversation and healing together, that we were able to have a sit down face to face And being super mindful of what we're saying because we want to have a clear message for ourselves, for each other, and so that other people can kind of tap into what our feelings about it are, even though I'm sure that we could go on for several, several episodes about it. But I'm just so grateful for that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's my pleasure. It it brings a lot of nerves to me because it's a little insight into how we actually have conversations and sometimes those conversations aren't easy. So this is certainly not an exception. You know, if you're going to make it in the world as a couple, hard conversations are important. You have to be constantly willing to bob and weave with what their needs are on a moment to moment basis, let alone over 20, 21 years now Mm. we've been together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've been watching this show called Love is Blind on Netflix and, you know, these young guys are 25, 26 and they hit these roadblocks by saying something to their new partner who they're now engaged to after not having seen them physically. They only got to connect with their voice and this emotional thing. And, you know, a part of the excitement for us is how are they going to communicate when they're in person after that, like initial maybe excitement of what do they look like wears off? And (laughs) how many times do the guys say something and the woman who's always emotionally more mature than the man, like it doesn't matter what the age difference is is like, huh. And you and I are looking at each other like, huh. (laughs) You messed up. Oh, you done fucked up now. Yeah. And I mean, everyone has their dance. And that's the interesting thing about having this conversation together is that we have our dance and we know how to push buttons. We know how to cross the line. We know how to come back from those things, but you can't really do that in a situation like this where, you know, I can't just be constantly having a sarcastic tone or joking around to 
alleviate the pressure. <laughs> right. And so it was good because it was a little bit more straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What I learned from watching other men and women out there trying to make this like partnership thing work where mm-hmm. like you have to become this symbiotic relationship and being willing to give and to take whenever is necessary to maintain your own integrity, but also the integrity of your relationship. What I take from the shows like Love is Blind, Mm -hmm. which is a silly, maybe a silly reference, but I do think it gives a little glimpse into how hard relationships are. And if you're not willing to do that work, like you're not destined or entitled to have a healthy relationship later. So when we're listening to that, what I said last night, and I, I stand by it is, these are boys, like they're not men. If you want to marry a woman, and I am married to a woman, (laughs) this is the initiation in some ways to being a man. If you want to have a woman in your life, not a little girl, but a woman, you're going to have to be humbled humbled and be willing to compromise and to be willing to accept that you fucked up or Mm. you may have to compromise a lot. It's not even a negotiation. It's a flowing together. So I hope that this conversation provides some people insight into what our actual conversations are like, but more importantly, for people to also gain some understanding as to how maybe a little empathy from our side as to how hard it can be to talk about contraception and putting the kibosh on growing your family further. I mean, it's not easy. We have two perfect little girls. Why would we want to stop that? Well, it's we just don't want to have more kids. And that's hard. That's hard. Yeah, we're only living this experience in this life for the first time today. And while we have a whole lifetime of our own slice of the pie experience to help us move forward or be in this very moment, we're constantly pivoting and we're allowing each other to grow. And even when we listen back to this, I'm sure that we'll both have our own voyeuristic experience of <laughs> of ourselves <laughs> or for, of each other being like, why did I say that? Or, oh, I would have worded that differently. Yeah. Or, you know what? I, I hit the nail on the head, you know, and that's where there's a little bit of alleviated pressure of knowing that it's okay to maybe not get it right the first time or the 70th time. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it. We'll have like some spells of like, I just want to, and that's a part of the journey. You are so eloquent. (laughs) (laughs) You bring the best out of me, honey. What can I say? Well, as with every episode, despite it being so important, we have to have this show paid for. Did you know that we have like awesome companies that are helping to make these conversations happen? I do. You do? Do I not talk enough about these incredible (laughs) brands? They are filling our cabinet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, the brands that help make this show possible and every podcast that I think is so great, including Paul Check's podcast, My Favorite Murders, Your Favorite Show, like <laughs> like a lot of these shows, The Medicine Podcast with Chase and Mimi, my friends. Hey, Chase and Mimi. It's just a reality. So I am fortunate enough to have companies that are fully in alignment with me versus like mattress discounters or I something. Mean, well, I mean, having a nice new mattress would, love. Uh, would be awesome. Yeah. But instead, we have a medicine cabinet filled with the best supplements and some of the best brands Agreed. on the market. So the first one, since Drew Canoli is fresh on my mind, Drew started a company called Organifi. And Organifi helps to keep the wheels turning over here. They've got a wide range of products that will supply you with as many antioxidants, nutrients, and vitamins that you could possibly imagine to get in one scoop of a powder. Organifi's entire product line is non-GMO. It's glyphosate-free. It's organic. I mean, it's all of those important labels packaged up into a superfoods compound that you can slip into water 
My favorite right now, of course, it's the time of the year. You're a pumpkin spice gal. I know it. Stop. No. You do love pumpkin spice? No. Okay. She doesn't love pumpkin spice, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Our dog is definitely a pumpkin spice gal. (laughs) The trope of the pumpkin spice gal is definitely not you, but I do love a little chai and ginger and clove and, and nutmeg in my and coffee. And autumn spice. And autumn. It's the taste of autumn. In fact, Drew actually uses this analogy. It's like autumn made a love child with a marshmallow. That's how he describes okay. pumpkin spice latte. Yes. That sounds delicious. Give it to me. <laughs> well, fortunately, it's still being sold. It's a limited time only. It's loaded with a couple functional mushrooms. It's got all the pumpkin spices, um, including allspice, clove, nutmeg. It's loaded with turmeric, as all of their gold lattes are. And turmeric, of course, is an ancient restorative root. It contains curcumin, which you probably know as this super immune system boosting ingredient and will help with exercise, recovery, etc. loaded with antioxidants. There's reishi mushrooms. There is turkey tail. This is an incredible product. The way I drink it at night is I get a scoop of this pumpkin spice gold. I add some heavy coconut milk or even some raw dairy to it, and then some hot water, blend it up, and you've got yourself a great evening latte. You don't have to use alcohol or other drugs to fall asleep. This will help you rest right in and maximize your recovery while you're doing it. So if you want to try it out, and I, honey, you're going to love this stuff. You go to Organifi.com slash beloved. You'll save 20% on your purchase. While you're there, pick up a lot of their other stuff. They've got a chocolate version of their gold latte coming out for the winter. Their red and green juices are amazing. Go to Organifi.com slash beloved or use code beloved and you'll save 20%. Sounds great. Another one of our sponsors is a new one. It goes by the name of BirthFit. Have I told you about them yet? Yes, they're amazing. They sent me that awesome beanie that I've mm-hmm. been wearing around and Penny loves wearing the hat. Had I known about BirthFit when we were considering pregnancy, I feel like this would have been an awesome opportunity. BirthFit provides a sort of resounding, comprehensive, prepare your body and your mind and your overall health for pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. They have this incredible community called the B community, whereby you and many other women who are in this space, and maybe their partners as well, can get together, share insights, watch webinars from renowned experts in the pregnancy and postpartum space. And BirthFit's actually giving every listener the opportunity to join the B community. Wow. For one month free. That's incredible. That's something that I totally would have loved to have during my time. Yeah. I kind of wish that everybody knew about something like this because I think most women who come into this pregnancy space, they're getting their information from Google or Instagram or whatever. There's so much information out there. If there was one consolidated space that's moderated by birth fit professionals who are trained in the specifics of nervous system balancing and pelvic floor dysfunction and management of diastasis recti and whatnot, I feel like most women would probably flock there. So it's great that they're here on the show. Everybody wants a community. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like pregnancy can feel, at least for me as a man, even now it kind of feels like I'm siloed off. It feels so lonely, but having a community of other people that are asking the same questions, I feel like that's where it's at. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Well, if you guys want to try out the BirthFit community, it's their B exclamation point, B community. Go to birthfit.com, spelled exactly as I said it. Use code BELOVED and you'll get your first month free. Thank you, BirthFit, for supporting the show. It's brands like that that I feel so grateful to be able to support them as well because this is obviously very much in alignment with what I do here at the show. 
And then last but not least, do you remember when we were pregnant, how difficult it was to find a good prenatal vitamin? <laughs> yes. You go to the store and like, how many are there? Like a hundred? Right. And you, you like look at the labels and you're like, what is all this stuff? I don't know. It's a hard pass. You know, I'll just take the gummy bears because they taste good. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> well, it wasn't until we were actually well into our second pregnancy that I found this company, Fullwell Fertility, who was actually connected to me by the owner of BirthFit, Lindsay Cantu, which is pretty interesting. So Fullwell makes hands down the best prenatal vitamin on the market. If you compare that, yeah, if you compare that label to any other brand out there, it's loaded with nutrition. And it's also, it was started by Ayla Barmer, who's now a friend of mine. She's a registered dietitian. She's overseen the development of the products and the entire manufacturing process. So it's quality control from start to finish. They also have fish oil. They also have a men's virility vitamin for men out there who don't have as high or an optimal number of sperm or healthy enough swimming sperm. You can get those vitamins and they have a nourish nerves tonic, which I don't know if you've actually, if I've given you it yet, but it's basically a tonic that you can take once a day by mouth that helps to balance out the nervous system so that you can ease into sleep at night, that all that crazy stress that we experience postpartum, like it just dissolves it away. So that maybe is we should, awesome. should do a little bit of that on one of our hard days too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think keeping a, a steady regimen of calmness is a-okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love other products and I think you, the listener will as well. Go to fullwellfertility.com, use code BELOVED10, you'll save 10%. I recommend getting one of each. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me. Also, Ayla through Instagram is very, very happy to receive and answer questions. So again, that's fullwellfertility.com. Go there and use the code BELOVED10 and you'll save 10% on your purchase. Again, guys, we can't do these incredible podcasts. And this is definitely the best podcast around, according to at least your mom and my mom. (laughs) I mean, we have some big fans out there. So if we want to keep doing this show... One great way to support the show is to go to our sponsors, show them some love. I wouldn't even have them as sponsors if I didn't fully believe in their values as a company and as owners. All right. Well, without further ado, Steph, let's let them in on a little bit of what the Riley household sounds like when we hit some some sticking points, shall we? Yeah. All right. Welcome to us. <laughs> Hi, honey. It's Friday night. This is how real grown-ups spend their time. (laughs) We've been talking about having this conversation, which is really kind of a consolidation of so many little mini conversations we've had over the past six months plus. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about my vasectomy without going into like too much of the medical, because there's really not a lot of medical. I think the hardest part of this conversation for both of us was the ongoing communication, some mind-changing on my part, some flip-flopping on my part, and some really, really hard fallout from that, and ultimately us feeling good in the decision. But I think it would be really, really helpful for people to hear about some of the challenges that came up when we were going through the process. So where do you think we should start? I think we should start after having Evie, well, during the pregnancy of Evie, and kind of being on the same page of being like, I think two's good. I think we're good. I think we made it. Kind of venturing into the chapter of we're not going to have any more kids and like this is our last pregnancy and this is what it's going to feel like. And so enjoy it, but also experience it and remember. And my pregnancy with Evie was not as goddess like, I guess, as the first one with Penny because 
you're running after a toddler and you're more tired and you're waking up early and getting less sleep and not able to do the things that you want to do for yourself. And so mm-hmm. it was harder. So that was also important to like take those moments of, oh, man, I'm glad this is the last time and being okay with reveling in that yeah. and making a choice for our family moving forward together, which felt like very little action where everything else feels like a lot of action, either having to take the pill or, you know, go to doctor's appointments or worry about your cycle or deciding to start a family or with fertility conversations and timing and windows and maintaining a relationship while you're trying to also like get to a goal. This felt like something that we kind of high-fived each other and we're like, all right, we're making a very simple, easy choice without any conversation. I mean, we had conversations about it, but with very little resistance. And that was kind of one of the few times in life that we got to like be very much partners. Yeah. And that seems kind of ridiculous because we're partners in everything, but there's often a, you know, power imbalance with things. Yeah. So that felt really nice just to be like, Hey, we know what we're doing moving forward. Does that feel fair? Yeah. And also for those who don't know, we met when we were teenagers and we were together for almost the entire time since then. And now we're in our late thirties. And you've been sort of following me because of my next level of training or education or whatever else. And you've always kind of just gladly and very, very graciously have just kind of come along and kind of doing the things that were required for us as a couple to be the couple that we thought we wanted to be, you know? Yeah. I enjoy that type of relationship with you where you are such a visionary in so many things and a go-getter in a lot of things. And if it were up to me, I would just say, let's stay in. <laughs> but and you get us out and going and doing a lot of things, which I'm so grateful for. And I do like being your hype man, where you don't often like to see the obstacles and I like to point them out and but still at the same time be like, go for it. Let me know how it's on the other side. And then build me a bridge and I'll come join you. This kind of felt like a hey, we're doing this and I don't have to do anything. You can just be my hype man this time. Yeah, yeah, right. It seems so easy at one point to just, you know, as I say, join the Clippers. (laughs) Right. And when I was in residency, there wasn't a lot of conversation around vasectomies. When a guy got it, it was like, oh, he got a vasectomy. But normally it was lengthy conversation with women who were like, this is my fifth pregnancy. Like, I don't want to have more. And perhaps her husband or her partner is sort of like, well, let's just have one more maybe. We want that boy or whatever else. So there was always this lengthy conversation around the risks of sterilization procedures, as they call it, where Mm -hmm. the tubes are removed or clipped or tied or whatever. And it always seemed sort of like an afterthought to talk about vasectomy. So I didn't really have a ton of exposure with it. But when Evie was growing inside of you, it seemed to me like a slam dunk decision. This is no problem at all. Yeah. I think we both were also, you know, being new parents, you realize how tired you are and you're like, I can do this again. But <laughs> that's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, I don't remember what point it was in Evie's pregnancy that we had kind of like, it's a done deal. You know, it's probably maybe halfway through or something. Like it was really kind of clear. Like initially, I think we were thinking maybe we'll have four. That was when five. We were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And after. Sure. Penny, yeah, younger, honey. We're still very young. Look at us hanging out on a Friday and going crazy. <laughs> so it was probably a pretty big shock to you when I dug my heels in. Can you maybe share what you were feeling initially 
whenever I started having hesitations. Yeah. I think we had said after the second pregnancy, we'll have this procedure, but we didn't expect to have the second pregnancy so quickly. Mm -hmm. And so that was a delight. Awesome. And I totally know that feeling of, well, I didn't know it was around the corner. I didn't know it was this year that now we have to make that choice. I totally get that. But having had my body go through two pregnancies and birth and in between, not necessarily the loss, but the change in identity and like the ebbs and flows of hormones and relation to self. And you're out here failing miserably in all of the best ways because it allowed you to grow and like revamp and change and like center yourself and ground yourself and flourish in ways that you know are so possible for you. And I know are so possible for you. And that takes a lot of self-healing and concentration on grounding yourself and doing things for yourself. And I felt like I was getting none of that for myself. And you were trying to provide that so much in all these different facets in our life. But like, sometimes it doesn't feel like there's a solution. It just is. And so I was in that is for a long time. And the simplicity of you being able to make a choice for yourself, even if it was I'm going to make a choice for myself to not do this was like, oh my God, I don't even get to make a choice to like eat until dinner that I cooked for everybody. And then I get to have like 30 seconds to scarf it down, you know, was hard because also I've always been the metaphysical person in our relationship. I feel like I've been the person who kind of like speaks in a little bit more flowery tone and thinks about the different dynamics and fluidity of how we show up in the world. And you started taking on a lot of that over the years Mm. and it kind of Mm -hmm. has come to a beautiful head here with where you're at now. And I feel like a total jerk thinking of you coming to me and being like, I don't want to mess up my chi. Like think about my chi. And I was like, I should be saying that. (laughs) That would be my point in the conversation, but I'm not bringing it up because I don't care. You heard of meditation, honey. And it made me feel bad because I did the thing that I would hate if you did whenever I would speak about those things. If like, if I'm bringing something up that is important to me and be like, okay, here we go again. It felt like I was doing that to you and that felt really unfair. Yeah. Well, we'll get into the sort of crannies, if that's the word, as to how we finally made the decision. And maybe even we can talk about what the procedure was like. But from that point that you're describing until we actually decided it, something really, really hard happened. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going on a trip. So Evie was born November 6th, 2021. We're having a glass of wine because this conversation is quite hard. (laughs) And in honor of your old podcast. And I used to have that old podcast. So Evie was born about a year ago. And we're recording this now in October, 2022. 11 6 2021 everly rosa our second baby was born and of course after that pregnancy the plan was as you said to get the vasectomy well a couple months after that in april i had gone on a trip you went to pittsburgh i was going to fly to new york for a training and as soon as i landed in new york there were a couple missed calls from you i'm on the tarmac and i'm like oh my gosh she doesn't usually call like in sequence like that so i called you back and you told me we were pregnant yeah After we had decided to get a vasectomy, we were waiting for that initial consultation, which by the way, you make the consultation. They're like, oh, we've got a spot in four months from now. Mm -hmm. And then you have to wait after that a few months Mm -hmm. to actually get the procedure. So there's this big gap. And we had started back to having sex after 
you know, you had recovered postpartum and we hadn't had sex that many times because you've got a toddler. We're always really tired, but lo and behold, here we are. Yeah. I remember the December, January time you were supposed to have an appointment and you're like, no, I just need some more time to think about it. I was like, yeah, think about it. Like after I got over my initial jerky move in my mind of being annoyed with you, I was like, you should be able to take the time you need to think about it. Like, absolutely. And I'm kind of annoyed and we're not going to be able to connect in the way we want to, but because now I have to protect myself. And it felt like that was such an unfair conversation. Like, if you're not going to protect me, then I have to protect protect myself from you, which is not a lovely place to be with your partner. And that was coming out of spite and frustration. And so you kept moving it back. Oh, there was one more other piece to that though, which is that I got fired at my job. I was trying to find a way to get health insurance through a part-time job. That's right. So that did actually push us to the first of the year. Mm -hmm. That's still not an excuse, but there's a lot of reasons why people out there have to push these things. They delay them, they get apprehension. And then there's good reasons for that as well to be like, oh, darn it, the insurance isn't ready. Yeah. And I think that was a layer of it. Yeah. But it was a nice escape because you did one more time. I did one more time. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. And so I told you that. And that's an interesting part of womanhood is that you always know first. You mm. know what I mean? Someone might be able to like say, I know you're pregnant, but you're not peeing on the stick and like in that bathroom by yourself, getting the results first and then having to temper your experience to deliver to somebody else yeah. to receive their experience, good or bad. And so I was just fire and fury, like, God, why? Like I was. You can curse on this show if you want to actually say what you were thinking. I will eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to use language like that because that's such an impulsive thing. And there's more revolving around that experience than just me. Yeah. And so I don't want to like curse that whatever was happening inside to, it just doesn't need to, it's not their fault, you know? Right. And it's not your fault, not my fault, but That was such a hard space because you were gone and I feel like a lot of times things that we do in our life, it is very lonely. Sometimes we've had a lot of lonely moments in our relationship because you're always busy. You love being busy. And it was just like another thing where it felt like, okay, I have to be with my own feelings here. And that was hard because hormonally you're going through a whirlwind of stuff. And then also just mentally trying to wrap your mind around it and anger is such an easy reaction and response and it's a lazy response and I know that so the minute I get angry I know that there's more work to be done which is already exhausting just the thought of letting myself be angry yeah yeah well I know that I know that it got really really deep and dark and we weren't together and I was in a I don't want to use the word shock but I was in a state of disbelief, I suppose. I don't know. I don't have any other language, but that was the only thing on my mind after we got off the phone. And I was supposed to go to this really, really hard training for a week. And <laughs> and that was um, supposed to be super enjoyable too. Yeah. I was like, you know, babe, just go and take like, have fun. So it was my first training week in anthroposophic medicine. So I was super stoked. And this was in April of 2021. So I got there and We weren't really talking much because also you're super occupied with Penny and you were with your family. But I think there was a lot going on for you where you probably didn't really want to talk to me because there was probably some level of resentment. Like you push this and now we're stuck in this fucking hole. And you now, Stephanie, have to be in this hole by yourself. I can't even be there to comfort you. Not even that you wanted me there to comfort you. Did you feel 
I don't know if resentment is strong enough of a word, but what were you feeling about me then? I guess, yeah, resentful. I think I had already planned to go to my family's house, so I was going to be with my family. So it was kind of like an added on thing where I felt like I was going through this thing and I didn't want to, not that I didn't want to tell anybody about it, but like I wasn't, I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to like stand behind whatever my reaction was. So I was happy to be with my family, but I was feeling like anxiety pull of feeling like I'm not telling them something that's really important. And I know that they would support me and I know it would be great and fine, but I just didn't want that look of like, you Mm -hmm. know, and I just didn't want to carry that just yet. So I was frustrated that it felt even more lonely with that. But then I did end up telling my family and I did feel resentment. I felt, I mean, that's what I'm saying. All those feelings are the easiest feelings. So I kind of let them out because you have to acknowledge them to be able to set them free so you can get behind the curtain of that and move forward. So yeah, I was just, I felt like an example, like a naked example in front of you and be like, okay, now what, what about my chi? I was mad because I had told you, no matter what decision we make, I'm going to have these feelings swirling around this experience. Whatever decision we make, I'm going to have started or ended or gone through all of this with like so much upset. And I was really annoyed also because I had such a great birth with Evie. And I was annoyed that this was going to be my last experience, that that was going to be the bookend. Yeah. And I'm mad about that because Evie's birth was so healing for me. Yeah. And I was mad that that I was like in a really dark place. I can't even remember the words I said to you, but I remember just like spewing fire at you over the phone and just like, I don't remember like screaming on the phone, but I remember like feeling I was just like endlessly screaming into a dark pit of despair. Mm-hmm. And that is sad that that was my last experience with my body being able to do such an amazing thing. Yeah. I remember hearing you on the phone during that call. I remember the call. I remember where I was. I remember how I was laying. I remember not being able to sleep. I didn't sleep at all that night. But I just remember hearing a part of you that was broken. Like you had broken inside. And that's not, I don't mean to diminish it. Like, oh, you're a broken person now. I mean, like you actually were more hurt in that phone call than maybe I'd ever heard you before. Yeah, I think so too. And while it was really hard to hear that, it was simultaneously, you know, most of us, perhaps it's a masculine trait, you can call whatever you want, but most of us want to try to fix it. We want to try to come to the rescue. And even if I had been there, perhaps had I been there, you told me this, it actually would have been worse. Mm -hmm. Instead, we had this distance. And so not only could I not hold you close or do anything that you see in the movies, there was no way to help you from that position where I was at. And it wasn't even a matter, the way I look at it now is like, there wasn't the right thing to say. Like there is absolutely no way to save you from this horrible feeling. And I did have a lot of, naturally, a lot of regret, a lot of guilt. I felt very ashamed. I felt all these things. And there was also no way to escape that for myself. It was just something that had to stew for over a week until I saw you. Mm -hmm. And throughout the day, I had a lot of love for you. I was like, I wanted to be close. It's that 
hard feeling that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to where you might be angry at somebody or you're just in a bad mood and the person that you love the most, you adore them and you don't want them anywhere near you. And so that was like, I would text you like, Hey babe, you know, be nice during the day, but then it would all kind of like come swirling at the end of the day and being so tired and just kind of reeling through that. And I think it would have been not great if you were around. It was good that we had that space. And I also didn't want that response to be like, okay, okay, I'll get it. I'll get the vasectomy. I'm like, no, not now, motherfucker. You don't get to choose this now. You don't get to like be the savior, like get the gold trophy. Like you get to think about your life all you want all the time. And I rarely do. And maybe that's on me. And it was those conversations of sacrifice are always kind of hard because it's not a tallying system. It's not like, hey, I did this, so you have to do this. But yeah, I think when we look at the big picture, we do, I think, agree that we live a life together very differently. You've made a lot more sacrifices for me than I've made for you. And happily. Yeah. Mm. Well, the next day after that conversation, I was on the phone all day long trying to get through the schedulers <laughs> to try to nail down a consultation because I had to go and a two-step process. You have to get the consultation and then you get the procedure several weeks or months after. And so I had been trying to connect with the person who schedules the consultation for a few weeks at that point. So the next day I'd finally got a hold of this person who was supposed to collect some sort of payment. It was sort of like, I think collateral kind of, because they have to run it by insurance and there's always some sort of co-payment that and then the insurance company tries to collect it from them if it's not paid or something. I don't know. I've never heard of this before, but I had to pay like $700 cash before they would schedule the surgery. And so I was like, I had my credit card in my breast pocket and I was on the phone with them. Like they called me and I missed it because I was in the class. I'd get out and call them and call them and call them. And so exactly what you said is what happened the next day. I was like, I am scheduling this fucking vasectomy. We're getting this done. I'm yeah, not putting her through this. Yeah. No, it's, it's okay. We'll get into that. We'll get into the actual decision. That deserved a glare, I think. <laughs> well, what about my chain? And that is a valid concern and conversation to have. Yeah. It was my pushback with everything where it's like, okay, now. Yeah. Great. Why is it so easy now? Why is it so easy now? Why is it so easy now? Right. Well, interestingly, despite how hard that was for you and how hard it was for me too, to not be able to support you in some way and everything else, I still ended up waffling in the end. And yeah. we'll get to that. But fortunately or unfortunately, or however you want to spin it, we did have a miscarriage. And so, you know, the common theme with miscarriages is people will say, oh, I'm so sorry. And somewhere deep inside of me, I was actually very grateful. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, would you say that as well? I mean, it was a sigh of relief because, so I was mostly reeling of having to make a decision of whatever choice I was going to make. And I was like, have a baby, have an abortion, right? whatever. Yeah. I was like three kids. God, like, I mean, people do it and it's not impossible. I was three under three. It's going to be hard. And yeah. And I hated having to verbalize like, I didn't want this, you know, yeah. but then having to reform it, my mind and say, you can't think that way now if this is the choice you're going to be making. So you have to start creating mm. your memories now. And then I was thinking if I had to have an abortion, then I would be really resentful towards you. Quick break here to tell you about another one of our brand partners, Immune Intel AHCC, started by my friends 
Mimi Lindquist and Chase Ramey, who <laughs> the way they show up in the world is how I wish everybody could show up in the world. They're so generous and they're just so smart and they're just so connected as a couple. And when they've brought products to me, I've just instantly fallen in love. And with what I do as an OBGYN, I was so grateful to find Mimi and Chase and their product, Immune Intel HCC. HCC stands for Active Hexose Correlated Compound. And it's a cultured product made of the mycelia of shiitake mushrooms. And, you know, mushrooms are all the rage right now. And if you go to the Far East, they're like kind of just a part of the culture there. You know, you're eating mushrooms, they've got all these different health benefits. And sometimes I feel like we become a little. Ugh, a little clouded, perhaps, in our judgment as to how to use these mushrooms. Of course, if you eat too much of anything, it could potentially be detrimental. And so fortunately, somebody has taken shiitake mushrooms. They've taken the mycelia. You're used to seeing the fruiting bodies. That's the parts that stick up out above the ground. The mycelia create this incredible sort of the original internet beneath our feet, connecting everything in the forest, connecting you and everything around you. And so there's something important about the mycelia of shiitake. And in clinical demonstrations, this HCC compound has actually been shown to help improve the clearance of persistent HPV infections. So as an OBGYN, I love the idea that I can help a client through maybe some yoni steaming, some lifestyle advice, movement, diet, etc., and we can add a couple months worth of immune intel in order to help them clear this HPV, which saves them the painful biopsies. It saves them the lifelong worry of an HPV infection not being cleared and eventually becoming cervical cancer. So it's interesting how this compound works. It's not like magical thinking. They've actually clinically demonstrated that it improves immune surveillance by increasing the immune cells like your NK cells, like your T cells, by up to 300%, and then also improving the communication between these cells. So your immune system is going to be working on all cylinders. It also helps to regulate your stress hormones like cortisol. People who take this often feel a little bit more balanced or leveled out. They sleep a little bit better. And as a consequence of these things, you also have decreased systemic inflammation. Everybody thinks of inflammation as an immune response. It is, but it's an out-of-balance immune response. You want to be able to become inflamed at times, whether it's after a hard workout, you've got an infection, you've got HPV that won't go away, you've got cancer. These are all inflammatory states and actually endometriosis as well. So when you've got the overwhelming amount of inflammation in the body that your body isn't able to squelch because your immune system is not communicating well, that's where a product like Immune Intel AHCC comes into play. So for listeners of the show, our sponsor here is providing a very, very special offer. If you go to themedicine.com, that is spelt without the E, so it's T-H-E-M-E-D-I-C-I-N.com. And you go to their medicine cabinet there. You're going to be able to enter code BELOVED10, and you'll save 10% on a bottle of Immune Intel. Um, again, that's the medicine without the E, T-H-E-M-E-D-I-C-I-N.com. Go to their product section, and you'll see Immune Intel there. Use code BELOVED10. You'll save 10%. Protect yourself. Protect your family. Even the men out there, you don't know if you're harboring HPV because there's no outward sign of it. So do yourself a favor, boost your immune system, balance out your nervous system, get rid of that HPV. And by the way, this isn't just for HPV. This is also for other chronic conditions like Lyme, like cancers. 
there is a wide variety of reasons why you may benefit from this. So go to themedicine.com, use code BELOVED10, get yourself some immune intel. Um, support our sponsors. They're keeping this show running. Thank you, Chase and Mimi, for introducing this to me. I've recommended it to so many clients now, and every one of them has seen a positive effect. All right, let's get back now to my conversation with my wife, Stephanie. trigger warning because I feel like this is not a nice thing to say, but I would eternally be holding that in my mind. That was the story. And I had an abortion before and I didn't feel that way then because it was a choice that I felt like I was empowered to make. And this one felt like I was kind of cornered and I created an imagery that was formed in order to hurt you, but I was hurting myself. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that and kind of put that in people's heads if that's the choice that they're going to make because that's not true at all. That was a story that I fabricated in order to hurt you. Right. But I was really hurting myself, right? And I was mad about that. And it was the fact that my body had a miscarriage and was able to pass the pregnancy was sad, but also in the form of like, I don't know, the stories that I held in my own head of like, we're powerful beings. And at the same time, I was so alleviated to not have to make a choice that I didn't have to physically make a choice. And I was grateful for that. Not necessarily the passing of the pregnancy. I feel exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. You have, as always, have a really elegant way of explaining the emotional experience of it because Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like, oh man, another baby. Oh, thank goodness we don't have to. It wasn't that easy. It was almost like a rock in a hard place. Like, I don't want either of these things to have to happen. I don't want to have another kid. I don't want you to have a miscarriage and I don't want to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. But one of those three things has to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's a rock and a hard place and a pit of hypodermic needles. Yeah. So despite how hard all of that was, ultimately I had a vasectomy. That's the moral of the story. But I still continued to waffle. And by the way, I really appreciate you sharing that. I know that it's really hard to talk about these things. And there's a reason we waited and waited and waited and waited to have this because I don't know if I could honor the conversation in the way that we are now, I think, and the experience, had we not waited, like, had we just jumped to it, like, hey, it's fresh, let's get to it. This requires healing, like for people going through either an unintended pregnancy, an abortion, a miscarriage, or even a birth, like there is a healing time, like that integration of that experience takes time. And if it isn't, then I think it does get locked up in some really nefarious ways. And we're still healing our relationship through that. Cause I mean, even trying to have conversations about like, okay, we're going to do the podcast tonight. And I shut down, I get cold and I'm like, yep. Mm -hmm." And I feel like we're able to have a more animated conversation right now, which is great, but maybe I won't resonate with what I'm saying now in like three years or something, but this is how I feel now. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. So a theme developed thereafter. We had the vasectomy consultation scheduled. We'd had our miscarriage. We're past that. Vasectomy appointment, babe, I got it. It's scheduled. The consultation. Go to the consultation. I will tell everybody that it's a very weird consultation that I'm not sure a lot of people appreciate. They ask you over and over and over again, are you sure you don't want to have kids? That is a part of the counseling for women who have sterilization procedures. And again, we're talking about clipping or removing the entire tubes. Usually the whole tubes are removed if you're curious out there because it also reduces your lifetime risk of ovarian cancer. For the men, there's a piece of the vas deferens removed. And at this particular clinic, it was Dr. Shepferman in Louisville, Kentucky, 
He did a really, really great job. And he was recommended by a urogynecologist. Shefferman is a urologist. And in his clinic, he has all these brochures on the wall that are boasting about his high success rate with reversing the vasectomies in the event that you want to have more kids. Maybe you have a new partner or whatever else. So there is some degree of regret with both the female and the male version of this procedure. So I saw these brochures up there while I was waiting and I was flipping through because I was in the waiting room for like 20, 25 minutes. And when he was talking to me about this, he was like, okay, so you know, tell me about your pregnancies. Okay, so you had two pregnancies. You know, that sounds great. Are you sure you don't want more? Absolutely. We have talked about this over and over and over again. I didn't tell him about the miscarriage or whatever. I was like, we've even had a couple of close calls. Like, we just don't want to have to worry about it. And he was like, okay, are you sure? <laughs> like for the eighth time. And I was like, listen, I'll just come back and you can reverse it. Or I said something kind of jokingly about it. He was like, you know, if he's listening, I'm really sorry for exposing it like this. But he was like, listen, there is a chance that we can reverse it. But don't go into this procedure thinking that we can just reverse this. Like this should be considered permanent. There are some people who are successfully able to reverse it, but don't go in thinking that this is just a light thing. Like we are cutting out and removing a piece of your vas deferens, which carries sperm from your epididymis up to the ejaculatory duct. So the sperm will have nowhere to go. So eventually I was like, okay, great. I signed the consent. We booked the surgery, which I believe was like June 30th. So it was like a whole six to eight weeks or something after. Mm -hmm. And during that process, I had thought deeply about what was being done. We're blocking access. We're blowing up the bridge where the sperm have to travel up to get into the penis and be ejected out with ejaculation. And I thought really, really hard about it. And I waffled back and forth about whether I was okay with this being so permanent. And it had to be 10 nights from the time that I had the consultation until when the surgery happened where it, like right before we fell asleep, I said something about it, which must have been very frustrating, mostly because it's such a heavy thing. And I'm going to bring it up right before we fall asleep. But that was when my mind, kind of like what you said about the unintended pregnancy that we had, where it was like, I'm fine until the moment we fall asleep and then it starts racing. Mm -hmm. And I start weighing these things. And you mentioned the chi and whatnot. But one of the things that kept coming up for me was I'm blocking the natural flow of like a life force in my body. What is yeah. that going to mean? And I have to say, when I brought this up to you, despite everything we'd been through with this conversation, you were very, 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 you received it so well. Like you were such an amazing partner. You have always been the most incredible partner, friend and everything in between. But you were like, okay, like, I really appreciate you telling me, like, tell me more. And you just kept me talking about it until after like maybe flip-flopping eight times or whatever. I'm not so sure. I was like, okay, like. We'll see how you feel tomorrow in about two minutes, you know, and I was really flip-flopping back and forth. So we had some pretty heated conversations and we really are between these two places. On the one hand, the argument was, I know my wife is so in touch with her body, energetically, physically, emotionally. She knows when we're going to be able to get pregnant. She knows those things. You kind of have a natural perception around it, which helped us get pregnant the first time. Why not just lean on that instead of doing irreparable damage to my body? On the other hand, you've carried the burden of contraception for our entire lives since we were 16. Well, I guess we had sex when we were 17 or 18, but you were on birth control then. And there was this 
like, I'm going to continue to push the burden onto you. You're going to have to continue to carry that burden because I don't want to do this surgery. Can you, I don't know what's coming up for you when I give these two kind of sides. Well, your waffling is a natural tendency that you have on everything. And having an end in sight is a mirage most of the time when it comes to me being privy to the conversations that are going on in your head, which are multitudes. And so, for example, if when we're working out, you'll say five more, four more, three more, two more, one more. All right. I'm like, whoa. And you're like, we're doing that 40 more times. And you're a liar. And I've learned to not take what you say until you're actually doing it because yeah. you should weigh all the things that are in your mind. And when you waffle out loud, it allows me to be grateful that you're coming to me. It sounds so silly, but coming to me as a person and like as a partner and telling me how you're feeling inside rather than creating a solution for yourself and just letting me in on what we're doing with our life. Mm. You know what I mean? So that was important. And I appreciated you telling me what was coming up because just like in anything in life, nothing is set in stone. We're allowed to change. So I wanted to give you wiggle room to be able to do that. And in the conversations about contraception and me carrying the burden, I remember you had said, this is not like a tallying system. This is not, you know, keeping score just because you did that I have to. And I said, you're totally right. And we talked about this tonight where what I chose as a young person might not be what I would choose today. And I'm not using that against you. I found it to be liberating and I felt like it was a sexual awakening that I was able to be free and make choices. And my OBGYN was like proud of me for taking matters into my own hands and like taking responsibility for my body. And I loved that. And then of course, tracking your cycle and being responsible in that way is totally doable and wonderful. And what a great thing to be in touch with your body and being able to do that for yourself and your partner or just life in general. But I remember having said to you, okay, but if there's some type of slip up or there's a mistake or I have the numbers wrong, then it's going to be my fault. And I don't want to feel that way. Mm. You know what I mean? And I want to be able to just have relations with you at spontaneous moments and what not- What do you mean by relations? Um, you know, like movies. Movies, like yeah. Netflix and Just Netflix. Chill. No, no. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm missing the- I would uh, have said chill. I said movies. Euphemistic, I see. Okay. Movies. Okay. I'm not so sure if I'm following this, but I think you're talking about sex with me. I don't even know what that is anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So it felt, I think I had this idea that I was going to be able to, I'm going to side swerve real quick. I was talking to a friend not, not long ago that I am not the type of person that expresses joy freely and I don't exercise that a lot. It's just not my nature. I kind of just like operate at like annoyed all the time. And <laughs> and and it's good. It's empowering. I've been grounded that way. And it felt like the idea of you having a vasectomy was me being able to like run wild in the field of lilies. Like it just felt like I can just not have to think or worry about that. And like what a liberating feeling to just be able to connect in any time in any way. And like, it can be fun and not have to be like, whenever we were trying to get pregnant the first time, I was like, it's like parking a car, you know, like not this time. Wait, hold on. 
and yeah. it just doesn't feel good yeah, everybody to control is. things. <laughs> yeah. The thing that's beautiful about, for me, my body, my cycle, understanding my body is that there is ebb and flow, that there are changes, that it's not going to always be exactly on point because like we're human and I didn't want to create an experience of myself to be so calculated. Yeah. And I was feeling resentful about having to do that to answer to your choices, to answer to your decisions, to answer to your questions for me. Yeah. It was basically, why don't you get to know your body better? I wasn't going to be doing it for me. I was going to be doing it for you. Right. And I never like that dichotomy. I don't like that relationship between the two of us. Mm. Yeah. Right. And I think ultimately there was one thing you had said that in some of these late nights, way too late, over-involved conversations right before we're falling asleep. There was one thing you said, you were like, listen, I don't ever want to go through that horrible thing that we went through together that you've already described here. I don't want to go through that again. And you had been very clear. I don't want another IUD. I don't want to be on hormonal birth, you know, contraception, like birth control or whatever. You had even said, however, I would go as far as having a tubal ligation or a salpingectomy, as we call it, where you have your tubes removed. I would rather do that then go through what I went through with that accidental pregnancy again. Mm -hmm. And that something there actually toppled me over into the direction of doing it. I don't think it was coming from a place of being selfish. It was me being very, very thoughtful about how sensitive I was starting to become to, like you said, my chi, (laughs) but really like not being so stuck in the physical, you're a machine, let's pop this thing in there and let's prevent the babies and I was counseling women about perhaps some of the downsides that were being underemphasized in their OBGYN practices around having a piece of metal in your womb space or the detrimental impacts of synthetic endocrine disruptors and all these pills. And, you know, I'd even gone through what I told you, a really hard experience for me. Well, it's not very hard compared to the person who had this done, but I was covering somebody's practice when we lived in San Diego and I did this surgery on behalf of another doctor who had consented this woman to a tubal sterilization procedure, they're going to remove the tubes. But I don't think she understood what was supposed to happen in the surgery, which is we're going to remove your fallopian tubes. We're not just going to clamp them or fuse them or whatever. The practice now is to remove them. So I did the surgery as I intended. And when she found out that the tubes were removed and not just tied or clamped, she was very, very upset. You know, I had been already thoughtful about some of these things. Like when women say, you know, if you remove the cervix with my uterus, something doesn't feel right. Or even having the uterus removed was like, there's something missing from me. It's a part of me. It's my womb space. Like this is a sacred space. You don't come to learn that without listening to your patients, but I was starting to hear it more and more. And then I heard this lady describe to the doctor that I had been covering, you know, after the operation. Like, you know, by the way, Dr. Riley, she was really unhappy that you removed her tubes. And let's not even get into like, well, why didn't you talk to her about it? I did the surgery on your behalf. That's not the point of this story. I was like, gosh, this is a really, really, really hard thing for a person to have done. There is an important reason for us to have our parts. So for all of the options for a person to not get pregnant, it was almost always falling to the woman. And I saw the vasectomy as like, it's the same thing. Why would I counsel against removal of the tubes or even clamping or whatever of the tubes and then go and do 
a clamping procedure or a removal of a part on myself. Like that didn't seem integrity beyond the lack of this flow, this life force. There's something important about it. And my gut was telling me, this isn't the right thing to do. I couldn't get behind it. I'm sorry, honey. I don't think I can do it. And again, you were so supportive on and on and on. And we did have some squabbles back and forth where you did let out a little bit of frustration on me because of you know things you said, like sexual liberation is something that you've actually never been able to gift yourself. Mm-hmm. And that I would have to actually facilitate that gift, deliver it to you. And so it wasn't until you said, I'd rather have my tubes removed than go through that again. That's when I think I toppled into that direction of like, I'm committed to doing this. And it wasn't until I think two days before the scheduled surgery I was so annoyed. that I said, I'm going to do it. Where did you say it? Probably about 12.01 a.m. Just as we were falling asleep. That's so annoying. I'm sorry. It's the only time that I allow my mind to work through some of those things. I love you. Do you know why it's annoying? I'll tell you. It's annoying <laughs> because <laughs> exactly what I was talking about. I was so glad, even though it was usually pillow talk of what was going through your mind, what you were thinking about and you sharing that with me, even though it was hard and you knew that like, maybe I wouldn't love it, but we were just about to fall asleep and it was two days away. And I didn't know when your appointment was. Like I should have known. I'm sure it was on the calendar. It was on my electronic calendar, honey. No, I don't do anything. I don't look at that. Have you checked your email? I sent you something important to print out for the bank. I never. Oh, great. But they're fine. I <laughs> was annoyed that we had so many conversations about how it affected both of us and you had made the choice, even though that was a choice that I wanted as well, but I wasn't privy to the conversation. You know, what you I mean? were privy. You just didn't remember. Let's be frank. Hmm. I told you the date. No, 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 I'm not talking about the date. I'm talking about the finality of where of oh, you coming to your decision. I'm not mad that I didn't know about the date. I'm saying I could have known and I didn't know because just like your braces, it's always one more tray. And that was like nine months ago that you said that. How dare you bring up my braces? You don't have braces. Invisalign or braces. Trust me, I looked it up. They're not like your metal framework scaffolding that you had in your head when you were a kid. But No. Sorry, you had crappy teeth. I put it on his head to curb stomp <laughs> me to get my teeth in line. <laughs> it's like one hand on your forehead, like some weirdo pliers. It's awful. <laughs> You don't know. Herb I really don't know. I'll never know. So, yeah. I'm glad you came to that decision. That was not the best way to bring it up. Well, it was in that moment, though, that I like laid down. I probably had a little cannabis in me and it just like, it like, you know, like something settled. Settled. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was like, bunk, I'm going to do it. And of course, the pressure was on because we're treated. Like, <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah. Before I talk about the actual procedure, I should also say another consideration is, is this going to cause me health issues later? Right. There's really not a lot of data. So for those who are out there who are like, but isn't it this and this and this, they used to think it may contribute to prostate cancer. They've done multiple studies, meta-analyses and whatnot. They've confirmed or they've concluded that there's unlikely to be a medical issue here related to this. Now that's on the merely physical so we can't look at the mental, emotional, the spiritual. We don't know. I did reach out to a couple people. They're deep into the Kundalini and meditative communities. And I even found some like 
gurus and whatnot that talked about it. And it was like a 50-50. Some were in support. Some had said, hey, because it was like a responsible thing to do. Others felt that it could impact your ability to reach these higher levels through meditation and through some kundalini practices. So it was like, well, on one hand, perhaps my kundalini won't rise in the same way, so to speak. On the other hand, we're guaranteed to have sexual liberation and you'll never have to go through that. And you're the person I love more and care more about than anybody in the world. So ultimately decided to do it. And there was one other thing I wanted to bring up about that, but that's okay. It's probably not that important. Should I talk about the procedure you think? Yeah. So they gave me a Valium to take about an hour before the procedure. And I was in the waiting room on my Valium. I think <laughs> somebody dropped me off. Did you drop me off? Yeah. Could have levitated there for all I know, because Valium is very weird. And got to the waiting room, was probably saying weird, inappropriate things the whole time in the waiting room. I don't even remember. But then I got to the exam room and Dr. Shefferman comes in, an amazing clinic, an amazing doctor. Like I really felt well cared for there. Like if anybody out there is seeking a vasectomy, I think that that team over there did a great job. You're a little high on this drug. And then it was already starting to wear off though, from what I remember, because I had to wait like an extra hour. So I get in there, I take all of my clothes off and then I'm laying there and the doctor comes in and you know says, hey, how's it going? He's talking to you the whole time. He uses like a betadine, which is a cleaning agent around the base of the penis. And then they're going to go and make incisions on either side of the testicles right below the base of the penis. So he first numbed up the area. I don't know which nerves because I don't really, that's not my specialty, but he numbed up the area and then he made a little incision and he like kind of rubbed the skin, like imagine squeezing the skin of your testicles and kind of rubbing it together and it gets numb within a couple minutes and he's still talking to me the whole time. He picks up the skin, I suppose, makes an incision, cuts a piece of the tube out, goes to the other side, numbs it up rubs it together, cuts an incision, cuts a piece of the tube out, maybe puts a little glue or something on it. I don't really know. But he packed a big old thing of gauze onto my genitals. And then he was like, hold this. He helped me pull up my underwear. And he was like, okay. And then he told me what I have to do. The ultimate prestidigitation. Prestidigitation. What does that mean again? Isn't like... Oh, like a... Yeah, it's magic, but by hand, by sleight of hand. Right, like where you can hide coins and stuff. Mm. Prestidigitation. I think so. Ultimate prestidigitation. Nice. Somebody picked me up. Did you pick me up? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was all blur. And I went home. We weren't able to have sex for like two months, maybe three months until after it was done. And by the way, since the miscarriage, we hadn't had any sex that whole time. So, I mean, also we had a lot of healing to do in our relationship. So it wasn't like we were connecting in a deep enough way, intimate enough way for that to lead to that. But now at this point we were on track. And right before Burning Man, I think two days or so before Burning Man, I had to go in and give a semen sample oh, yeah. and it was clean. Not a single living sperm to be seen. <laughs> there was no pain medicine afterwards, of course. It was not that hard to recover. So if you're out there considering one of these procedures, the vasectomy, it was like an ice pack for a couple of days, maybe, maybe one or two days. I did a lot of like body weight, slow body weight movement just to keep the area and all the fascia stretched out. It was purple and Penny, our daughter, thought that was hilarious and kept pointing at it and laughing in the shower because it's like right at her eye level height. And 
oh, she didn't laugh at it. Initially, she looked at it and was actually really sad. She was. I said, there's a boo-boo. And she was like, dad, a penis, boo-boo. Mm-hmm. And it was really sad for her. Like she was really torn up about it at first. And then it kind of became funny to her later. But within a couple of weeks, it was healed. Like I was healed. And then within a couple of months after that, I felt like nothing had ever happened. But you had like a little pool, right? Oh, that's right. There actually kind of is still a tiny bit of that where it was like if I was going downstairs without wearing underwear and gym shorts or whatever, that like the like bounce mm-hmm. actually caused a little like tightness. It wasn't really pain, but it was tightness. There was no blood ever. There was no issues with ejaculation or whatever. I do think that there was a tiny hit to my libido, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it was the procedure itself, like a biochemical thing, or if it was some confrontation with some of the energetic stuff that I've talked about, but we haven't like, there's no issues with erections. There's no issues with, I mean, like our sex is great. And I wake up with like, you know, the morning wood and everything else. There's no issue with volume or lack of sensation or anything like that. So all in all, those are things to consider. And yeah, definitely the unknown is always scary. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I think it's reasonable for men to be apprehensive about this. I also think it's reasonable for women to be apprehensive about IUDs and whatnot. And just because we diminish the procedure, like, oh, it's just a pinch or whatever, it doesn't mean that women don't have some really painful experiences with that. Likewise, for us to say, oh, it's just a pinch, like, I can't say that it will be just a pinch. Like, it might be really, really hard for you. It might be really painful recovery. But I think for most men, it's not that painful. And I think it's okay that we say that, that like, hey, compared to what your female partner went through with either an IUD or the tubal or even, I mean, obviously birth and miscarriages and everything else, this is a pretty minor pain, even on the solely on the physical level. This is a pretty mild thing to go through. But because men don't generally experience a lot of pain, and we certainly don't have painful things happening to our genitals where we expect women to just do this all the time. I think it is very confronting. I think that's probably the biggest hurdle that most men have to get over. I had heard that it wasn't. And I had friends that had vasectomies and they were like, dude, just do it. And actually, it was funny. One of the people who actually, I think, convinced me towards the vasectomy was Ricky Lake because <laughs> I was interviewing her and Abby Epstein and they yeah. had that film, The Business of Birth Control, that came out and I was interviewing them. And at the end of the interview, they were like, dude, it's going to change your life. Just do it. You're going to love it. And I was like, Oh, Ricky. <laughs> if she's listening, I'm sure she'll appreciate that part of the story. Do you want to say hi to Ricky Lake, my friend? Hi, Ricky Lake. It's Miss Lake. It's like to me. Yeah, to you. We go by Ricky and I, you know, we talk. You do talk. Yeah. So anyways. Well, lots I appreciate of... you doing that. I love you. I appreciate the conversation because I think anything is worth diving into and really looking into the dark corners of what things could feel like or what the repercussions can be. Yeah. Emotionally, physically, like whatever. And I don't think a lot of people take the time to do that because it is scary and it's confronting and it can create conversations that could be uncomfortable. And we're used to uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. So I appreciate you letting me know where your mind was at the whole time. And you had asked me before, did you feel resentful towards me? At one point I did, like I said, because those are easy and lazy responses. But did I really? And do I now? Absolutely not. And I think that's because we both recognize that we are, even though we've pretty much grown up with each other, 
we have to honor the fact that we are individual people winging it day to day and just living this day for the first time, even though we have a lifetime of experience and other things that we have to give each other grace to be able to, one, not have an answer and two, be able to navigate through that either by yourself or together. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I really appreciate, and I can't say it enough, the compassion that you had for me despite I know inside of you vacillating as well between like, I have to be supportive for my person and what the fuck, man, like mm-hmm. we had decided this and now you're just like in the blink of an eye, going to change your mind on me. Like, I know that that didn't feel good to you. And mm-hmm. I know that it probably took a lot of your emotional bandwidth, despite having two little girls to also then allow me to work through my feelings and to really be there. And you always show up in that way. You're always just so present and available when I need to rebound a little bit. And if you hadn't done that, I don't know if I would have done it. Like I needed you to be there to allow me to vacillate between these two options. Yeah. And because you just granted me that time and that presence, I think that that really made it so much easier for me. And I look back and I have no regrets, no doubts whatsoever. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Not really. You want to go get frisky and not make a baby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Love you. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. This was a really, really hard conversation for us to record, and we came in fully open, fully open arts, heart space. I hope that this conversation was helpful to you. If you want to find Stephanie, my wife, go find her on Instagram at OGZAL, O-H-G-E-E-Z-O-W. Get to see her and my beautiful kids there. She documents a lot more than I do about our personal life. Thank you to our sponsors, Full Well Fertility, best prenatal vitamins on the market, men's virility vitamins, best fish oil. Go to fullwellfertility.com, use code BELOVED10, and you'll save 10%. Organifi, my man Drew, has put together an incredible assortment of products there to help optimize your energy levels, your sleep, your overall vitality. I love their pumpkin spice latte, but I also drink at least one glass of red juice and green juice a day. Go to Organifi.com slash Beloved. You'll save 20% on your purchase of anything, including their incredible pumpkin spice gold latte, which has turmeric loaded with curcumin. It's got two types of functional mushrooms. It's got all of the spices that you find this time of year, clove, nutmeg, etc. all spice. It tastes, in Drew's words, like a marshmallow and autumn had a baby. It's beautiful. It's a delicious drink mixed with some heavy coconut milk at night. Go to Organifi.com slash Beloved, and you'll save 20% on anything they make. Immune Intel, HCC, my main man, main woman, Chase and Mimi at The Medicine. They make an HCC product that will help you clear persistent HPV infections, help you with Lyme, help you with any chronic inflammatory conditions. And there's really not a product out there like this. I'm so happy to have them here. There's so much in alignment with what I do. Go to themedicine.com slash products. That's T-H-E-M-E-D-I-C-I-N, no E medicin.com slash products and use code BELOVED10. You'll save 10% on your bottle of Immune Intel HCC. And then last but not least, BirthFit, the newcomer. They offer pregnancy and postpartum specific lifestyle programming. They offer nervous system support through general strength and conditioning, human function and movement foundations, core and pelvic floor basics. They've got a comprehensive prenatal training program. They also have an online community for a lot of women and men alike who want to 
convene and talk about these things in a safe environment, free of judgment, and full of expertise and knowledge with twice monthly webinars from some of the most renowned experts in this field. As an offering to my audience, you can go to birthfit.com, use code BELOVED, and you'll get your first month free in the B community. I can't recommend these guys enough. All of these brands are so much in alignment with me and with what I do in my practice. It is such a gift to have them here supporting this show, getting great conversations like this one that I just had with Stephanie out to y'all. Other ways to support the show, share this episode with your friends. If you feel called, if you've taken anything from this episode or from any conversations, go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Believe it or not, the algorithm only cares about how many five-star reviews a show has. It's, It's hard to believe. If only they just listened and heard how great this show is. We wouldn't have to worry about the algorithm. But here we are in 2022, worrying about algorithms. It's amazing. (laughs) You can also come and find me and work with me if you want me to be on your care team. It's belovedholistics.com. Nothing on this show is medical advice, but if you do need medical advice, you can join my PCA there. Once you make your annual donation of $86, you'll be directed to my menu of services. Think of the annual membership as a Costco membership. You get access to all these other good things if you ante up and you just put in the annual donation. It helps run my back end, keep me free of lawyers and administrators and all that other stuff. So you can go there, find me, you can buy packages, you can buy consults, you can join my collaborator program, which I'm still accepting. Birth coaches, doulas, midwives, check professionals, you name it you're all welcome to join my program and I will be there as a consultant for a very, very reasonable monthly fee, a consultant for anything you need under the sun related to the women that you're caring for in your practice. This is Nathan Riley, MD, fellow of ACOG. I uh, am happy to have been able to just explore some of these topics with you. Find me on Instagram at Nathan Riley OBGYN. Share the episode, tag me, reach out, give me some feedback. I love hearing from everybody. This has been a fun journey. I think that that's it. I think that's all I want to say. I've said enough. My next guest on the show, coming out in a week, it'll be on, let's see, the 16th of November is Amaya Shiva. And the title is On Reharmonizing with Your Environment Through Ayurveda. She's an Ayurvedic expert. She has a website, Sita Labs, and it is a juicy conversation. We had a lot of fun with that one. So I will see you guys all back here on the Holistic Obi-Juan podcast on the 16th of November, one week from today. Take care. I love you all. And go kiss your wife, your partner, your babies. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy every bit of it. 